Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delt and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Folks, welcome back. Uh, once again, doing another uh, set of podcasts about DevOps tools and technologies. And Jonas Roslin back with us again. Hi there. So in this one, uh, we're going to talk about automation technologies. And sometimes these are called management and, autom- and, and, and orchestration tools. Sometimes they're called automation. In essence, what we're going to talk about is um, these set of tools that people use to do manual what used to be manual tasks, you know, building out servers and all the different software that went on there. But these also could be configuring your infrastructure. They could be a lot of different things. But think about them basically as a set of tools that you used to do manually. So all of the the CLI work that you were doing, but you were but you were doing it repetitively. And so it's like, can I automate those things? So Jonas, let's let's start with that as kind of the most simple definition. What are some of the tools that would fit into that category so people have a sense of what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the the first thing, if you if you kind of envision what you did uh, when you just started out with managing servers and and, and computers in general, uh, you started doing things manually. After a while, you get tired of doing things manually, and, lo- and you looked up how to do them in um, maybe uh, a more automated fashion. Most probably, what you found would be uh, a set of scripts. So certain things to uh, set up a web server, for instance, there's a script for that. And those scripts are essentially just text files that you can run. So executable documentation is what I uh, yeah. usually call it. A long set of commands all strung together in, in a certain order. Exactly. Yep. So what happened, um, well, kind of a decade ago or, or even longer than that, but um, a while back, uh, a lot of people thought that, yes, these scripts are awesome. They're great, perfect. But there's no way to scale. Uh, we can't scale scripts. We can't manage scripts centrally. Uh, it's really hard to kind of deploy um, software, deploy services with these scripts if we can't monitor them, make sure that they're always configured correctly. So a bunch of different tools sprung out uh, of this kind of sense that scripts don't scale. Um, there are some tools like Puppet, Chef, Ansible, CF Engine, uh, SaltStack. You probably heard of some of these for um, pretty much infrastructure automation and infrastructure uh, configuration management. Okay, so we have the problem that so so nice move forward. People can can automate those things. The problem being, uh, in a lot of cases, in some cases, the person who wrote the script may have left the company. In other mm-hmm. cases, you may have written that script a year ago, and you're now dealing with a new environment that has, you know, new variables. The software you're using is is different. The 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 commonalities between them or the interdependencies between them are different. And it's like, uh oh, that old script won't work anymore. Somebody has to update it. And what you're saying is, when you get into larger companies and you've got lots of those scripts, managing that all that stuff, all those updates and why you did it certain ways became unwieldy. So what is what do these new types of tools do that's different? What's the, the common sort of you know thinking and framework that they have that makes them different from the scripts of the old days? So one thing about these these new automation tools, these, com- these configuration management tools, are uh, is that they uh, almost always have a central repository 
of the configuration that you want to set up. So we, we talked about GitHub in an earlier episode. And these automation tools are kind of like your GitHub for your um, configurations and uh, deployment, um, deployment tools out there. Okay. Okay. So, so now we have a, sort of a centralized place. Um, we can let lots of different people update them, manage them, and so forth. Now, um, how do I get, you know, what's the interaction between, let's say, uh, let's keep it simple. Let's say I have a, a bare metal server that I want to put a bunch of things on there, uh, you know, a version of Linux, um, maybe a bunch of patches, uh, some, some baseline other applications on there. How do I get from, you know, a centralized thing like Puppet or Chef or Ansible, whatever it might be, to getting that server to come up and run? What's the steps of that? So um, usually, and it, it depends on the different tools, but usually you have some sort of agent or some sort of uh, tool that automatically pushes out the configuration that you want onto a server. Uh, it might be an agent that you install on the bare metal server or the virtual machine if if you're running it there. Mm-hmm. Um, like Puppet and Chef, they have um, agents that you, you kind of uh, run on those servers. And those agents talk to the central repository and ask the central repository, okay, here I am, this is my IP address, um, this is my host name, uh, I have this amount of uh, disk drives and CPUs. What kind of configuration should I have? And in your central repository, you then have certain configurations saying all bare metal servers uh, or virtual machines that have the host name um, www something should be a web server. So if this bare metal or VM that asks the question has that specific host name, we know that that should be a web server. So it will automatically apply the web server role uh, and kind of deploy the web server just as you have set it up. Okay. So um, in a lot of cases, you you may have to touch the actual machine itself, but maybe one time you're going to give it just enough uh, of a tool or an agent to get started. It's going to go basically to this central thing and say, tell me who I am. You know, it's almost, you know, either like you have amnesia or starting life, tell me who I am. And then now you've got consistency because it's, you're, you're sort of centrally controlling that. Yeah. So, okay. So, and the assumption being that, especially when you have environments that have a lot of machines that do similar things, now they're very consistent, right? Now, over time, machines change, you know, software changes and so forth. Sometimes people talk about, um, you know, these things are sort of like um, documentation as code or infrastructure yeah. as code. What does that What does that mean? So essentially, you have a um, um, there. These are just text files. Uh, the whole repository of all the configuration that you have are essentially text files. So they are documented, um, docu- executable documentation that you run on top of your infrastructure. Okay, and that's kind of how you define the way you want your infrastructure to look like, um, what web servers should talk to a certain database server, um, how the database servers should be set up, how monitoring is set up, uh, and all that stuff is in clear text. So you can read it, and, and usually these are really easily readable. Even if you've never touched these tools before, you can actually understand what they're trying to do uh, by just reading a certain definition of, let's say, a web server or a database server. Okay, so we're not just 
defining a one specific thing, we can make these things more complicated in terms of saying this this device has a dependency with this other device. It needs to connect to this other device. So you can you can sort of build out system level views of what's going on. Is that right? Exactly. Okay. Um, so that's cool. So now we have um, sort of central place that can be updated. We can. Uh, it, it looks like the way that we manage software in terms of updates, we can back out of things. I'm, I'm assuming we can roll back and so forth. Now, um, you know, we talked early on about, you know, all these different names that people hear, Chef and Puppet and Ansible and all these things. And you talked about, you know, there's this language that, that these things are written in. Are they all exactly the same? Or are we just talking about the same tool with different names? Or is there a reason, you know, is there a language difference between them? Or are there you know, massive architectural differences between them? So I, I would say both. Okay. Uh, there are language differences, definitely. Uh, they are written in different languages. Puppet, for instance, has uh, has its own, what is called a domain-specific language. So they created their own language for the configuration. Okay. Um, Chef is more um, Python-based. Okay. Uh, um, uh, Ruby-based, I mean, sorry. Okay. Uh, Chef is more Ruby-based. Um, and... These tools, essentially, they do the same thing, but they do them differently. Okay. So the, the way you can see these tools is you can look at the tool and kind of try to fit it into your process or the process that you want to have when you deploy systems, when you configure systems. So um, this wide range of different uh, automation and configuration management systems kind of make it easier for you to find the system that um, makes sense for you. Okay. And, you know, so yes, there is some overlap between them in terms of functionality. The nice thing is um, it, they, they do support some different languages. So if your shop is more of a, like you said, a Ruby shop or a Python shop or, you know, has certain skills inherently, some might fit better than others. And the other nice thing is, for the most part, all of these tools have a free open source version. So you, you, you don't have to necessarily make that decision up front, you actually might experiment with a couple of them and find the one that, that fits your use case. Exactly. Okay. And I think that's that's really powerful as well because uh, everything is out in the open. They all have great documentation and great um, how-tos. So uh, I would say just try one out and see which one that fits. Yeah, the other thing I would point out is they all have, um, or at least I think in, in every case now, they have sort of a, a marketplace. So if you say, hey, I don't know where to start. You could actually go off and, and people have put their examples out in these marketplaces that are there for free as well. Exactly. So Puppet has the uh, the, the so-called Puppet Forge. They have over 3,000 Puppet modules uh, that you can download. So these modules are for configuring web servers, database servers, storage, networking, you name it. Okay. Uh, Chef has similar thing uh, with recipes. Okay. Um, and two two last things. So... Uh, we talked about this for servers and databases. Are these tools at all useful for other elements within your infrastructure? Could they be useful for a network device or a firewall or a load balancer or anything else? Yes, definitely. Uh, so they can definitely be used for uh, other um, subset of your infrastructure as well. So some uh, some firewalls, some networking gear, some load balancers actually have support for Puppet, Chef, and others. Mm -hmm. um, they... Uh, um, they also, some of them also have support for laptops. So you can actually manage your laptops and your uh, laptop infrastructure um, and laptop deployment of applications 
with these tools as well. Oh, okay, cool. So when people start talking about software defined, whatever it is, which, you know, buzzwords aside, you're now talking about software that could be a network device, it could be a storage device, a firewall device, but it's essentially running on a server. So you start to think about that and you go, boy, it probably would be smart to start using the tools that I use to manage other servers for applications for these kind of things. I think that's where th these domains start to blur together. Exactly. Okay, good. So folks, um, hopefully we gave you the basics of you know, why you're thinking about configuration management, some of the types of tools that you're hearing about, how you can go start to play around with them and pick the one that's right for you. And the good news is whether you're in what's, what we be considered traditional infrastructure, the storage network security kind of things, or you're on the application side, I think we're going to start seeing some blurring together of the types of tools you guys use. And again, that blurring together a lot of times is the basis for how people start to, to evolve to more of a DevOps environment. So Jonas, thanks for the time and uh, look forward to the next show.